We'll be about halfway through our journey up to Easter Sunday, which is March 31st. And we're, we're doing this journey with the words of the Apostle Paul. 50 days with Paul, I've called this. And we're thinking about Paul's 13 letters and passages from those letters that teach us something important about the person of Jesus, his identity, or something about the Christian life. You know, if we want to read the story of Jesus, we go to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But if we want to read how the early church interpreted who Jesus was and how that impacted their lives, one of the places that we go are the letters of Paul. And Paul did that so very well. And so we've talked about the hope that we find for this life because God is at work in our lives through Christ. We talked about Jesus as Lord two weeks ago. And then last Sunday, a contrast from that, Jesus as one who served. And so Jesus filled all these different roles. Now, today I want us to take another real turn in this journey and talk about a topic that in some ways is really pretty difficult, but we need to talk about and that Paul addresses really clearly for us. So we're going to talk first about a truth that, well, I've probably said this. I, I'm sure I've said it probably in conversation, maybe even from up here, maybe in a funeral that goes something like this. Maybe you've said this too. Death is just part of life, right? Death is part of life. I mean, we, we begin to find that out the longer we live, that death is just part of living. Because for most of us, the longer we live, what we find are that people that we love begin to pass away, right? Maybe first it's great-grandparents or grandparents, uh, people that we love and maybe have supported us in our lives and encouraged us, and we feel that loss. Maybe later on it's a parent, and we feel a different kind of pain that's more intense, maybe a, a spouse or a sibling or even the trauma of going through the death of a child or a grandchild. And, and all that begins to come home to us and we recognize that in a really powerful way because of the grief that's part of our lives when we deal with it, death is just part of life. And not a very pleasant part, not a part that we want to think about, but a very real part of our lives. Well, if that wasn't hard enough and more difficult enough on a Sunday morning to be waken up by that, by me, it gets a little more difficult, doesn't it? Because when we begin to experience the deaths of people that we love, it reminds us death's going to be part of my life too. You know, when we're young, we can sort of pretend like, yeah, we know death is out there, we know everybody dies, but when we're young enough, youth fools us into believing that sort of happens to everybody else, but not to me, right? I don't have to deal with that. that. I'm young, that's so far off, I don't even have to think about that. And then we live for a little while, and we do experience those other deaths. And our body begins to change. And we recognize somewhere along the way that I've probably got more years behind me than I've got ahead of me. And it's a difficult realization. And we have to face this fact that as much as we don't want this to be true, death is just part of life. Now that was fun. We can sing the invitation and go home, right? That's where the words of Paul begin to speak to us. 
Because the human experience really hasn't changed, has it? I mean, people have been experiencing death since the, the very beginning. And, and human beings have been coming to this realization that death is just part of life for thousands of years. And, and Paul knew about that. He saw that in the world around him. In fact, he spoke into a culture that was keen on accepting this. Because if you look at the religions of the ancient world, especially the ones in the Greco-Roman world, right? You've got these gods who are immortal, people who are not, people who are very mortal, and when you die, you go to the land of the dead. Now that was painted in various ways, sort of a shadowy existence, or at the depths of the ocean, that's where you went. And when you went to the place of the dead, that's it, right? There's no coming back. That's the end. So death is just part of life, and you might as well just go ahead and accept it and adapt to that fact because it's not going to change. You might as well deal with it and figure out how to live this life in light of the fact that death is part of it. Or, Paul also wrote into a culture in which the philosophers... Well, they talked about a lot of different things, but many things that they were trying to write about were ways of grappling with this sense that death is just part of life. So whether they were Stoics or Epicureans or Platonists or whatever else, they were trying to sort of rationalize, okay, how do we live this life? How do we understand life itself if we know at some point it's just going to end? And that's going to be it. What do, we, what do we do with that? How do we understand it? And in some rational way, how can we live life in light of that fact? So the culture into which Paul writes that many of the Gentile converts that came into the church because of Paul and because of people who learned from Paul came out of all that and are dealing with some of those struggles. And we find that in multiple places, Paul deals with this question of death and how we understand death being part of life. And in fact, the, the first week in the series, I wrote one of those emails about 1 Thessalonians 4, where Paul lays this out and gives us this picture of what happens when Jesus returns. It's a beautiful passage. And if, I encourage you to read the email and read the passage, if you will, because that's a great one. Today, I want us to look at another one, 1 Corinthians 15. We'll get there in a minute. But 1 Corinthians 15 this is an incredible chapter, and there is no way we could cover everything in 1 Corinthians 15 today because it's a long chapter and it is packed, okay? So read 1 Corinthians 15 sometime this week and get a sense of everything that Paul says there. But he's dealing with the problem. Now, if you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, an important city in the ancient world, okay? They were known for bronze. That's, that was their thing in the best mirrors in the ancient ancient world were made of Corinthian bronze, all right? So that was the city. Paul's writing to them, this church is having multiple problems, right? All kinds of problems. They're having moral issues. They're having doctrinal issues. And this is not an easy letter. But here near the end, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's dealing with a specific problem. And the problem was there were people in the church who were saying, listen, the way we understand it the kingdom of God is a spiritual existence. And we are physical. And there's no way that those two things can somehow mesh. So what God has in store, we can't really access 
with these physical bodies. And Paul wants to write into that and say, listen, your thinking is messed up. Let me clarify. And that's what he does beginning in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. So let's pick up there. Again, he said a lot about this already. Read the rest of it. But this is what he says beginning in verse 50. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Okay, so at first you're saying, well, he's saying, well, flesh and blood, physical, can't, you know, inherit the kingdom of God. So maybe he's agreeing with those other teachers. Well, no. Flesh and blood here, as is often the case, if you look at Romans, if you look at Galatians, you'll see that the way Paul uses that, he's saying, our flesh and blood as it is now, which means it's messed up. How did it get messed up? Because we sin. We are sinners. And the penalty for our sin is death. So the flesh and blood that we have now is perishable. It is mortal. It is going to die. So Paul's back right where we are. Death is just part of life. But as we are now, how can we participate in what God is doing? Because what God is doing is imperishable. God is looking for what is yet to be. So how can we be part of that as corrupt and headed for death as we are today? That's what Paul wants to deal with. And he begins dealing with it in the next verse. So he says this, listen, I tell you a mystery. Now, I think when Paul says that, he, he's telling us, okay, listen to what I'm saying, all right? Because in the ancient world, among Christians especially, if they said there was something that is mysterious, part of what they're saying is it was hidden and now it is revealed or it is going to be revealed. That's part of what a mystery meant. But I think Paul is also saying, you know what? This is so complex and so challenging, it even seems mysterious to me. I'm not sure I fully understand how all this is going to play out. I just know that it is going to play out. So his language there saying, listen to this. I know it's hard to get, but you need to get it. Listen, I tell you a mystery. Here it is. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. Twice, he says there, we will be changed. Now, Paul is saying, listen, some of us, when this happens, the trumpet calls, Jesus is coming back. Some of us are still going to be alive, and some of us are, still going, are, are going to be dead by that time. But whether you're alive or dead, here's the key. He says it twice. We will be changed. That's right. We're going to be changed. There's something different about us. And Paul is beginning to paint a picture that flies into the face of this truth that we have come to over and over that death is part of life. He says, whether you're dead or alive, you're going to be changed. You're going to be different. And if you're dead, you're going to be raised. Now, listen to what Paul is not saying here. Paul doesn't say in this moment, alive or dead, you're going to be transformed into something sort of 
Well, you can see through it, right? You're just sort of spiritual. You're floating around in the clouds. He says, we will be raised. Physical bodies raised to new life. Resurrection. So a physical existence that is imperishable so that we can participate in what God has in store that is also imperishable. Now you see why it's a mystery, why it's hard to understand. Because this is going to be transformative. This is going to be something different from anything we've experienced before. Verse 53, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. He's trying to say it in as many ways as he can so that his readers will understand. You're perishable now. You're going to be clothed with imperishable. You're going to take on something new. You're mortal now. You're going to be clothed with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Now there's a key phrase right there. Now, what have we said? We have said, man, the longer I live, the more I see, death is just part of life. Because I've seen my friends and my family, and I know for myself that I'm headed the same way. Death is part of life. But at the end of that verse, Paul says, Death is going to be so defeated by what Jesus does that it's as if something has eaten it up and you'll never see it again. So powerfully defeated that death will never be heard from ever again for eternity. This is the good news of Jesus. This is what it's all about. So Paul is telling us, I know what your experience is. I know your experience is, death is just part of life. But what I'm telling you is, that's not what you were created for. And what God has in store, and I know it's mysterious, and I know it's hard to understand, and maybe even hard to believe, But where God's headed, with his plan, death's not going to be part of life. Death's going to be forgotten. It's going to be all over. Because that's not really what God created you for. We'll come back to that. He continues, verse 55. He's quoting Hosea, the Old Testament prophet. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Oh, death, you think you got us beat, but you don't. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how does this happen? How can we know that death is actually going to be defeated so that death is not part of our life for eternity? Death is going to be gone because of Jesus because of who Jesus was, because God acted in real time in this real world in a tangible, powerful way. He lived among us, died among us, was buried, raised to new life, and ascended into heaven. Because of that, death really can be defeated. 
and the mortal can take on immortality for all of us. Well, how do we know that's real? I mean, Paul says this is, this is a little hard to understand. It's mysterious. Well, we've had a down payment on that. And right at the beginning of the chapter, Paul tells us what that down payment is. In a, in a powerful, just a few verses, he lays out the whole gospel for us. We find it beginning in verse 3. I'm going to read right through verse 8 because he just tells the whole story. All right, listen to what he says. For I received, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is the most important thing. Okay, that's what he says. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Scriptures are Old Testament uh, prophecy. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve, the twelve apostles. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, Jesus' brother, then all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. So Paul is saying the way that you can know that death is actually going to be defeated, that it's not what we were really created for, is because Jesus has already defeated death. And he promises to share that with all of us. And so the good news for us today is that, yes, it feels at times like death is just part of life. But it is not. The good news of Jesus is that Jesus helps us see beyond death to life. To real, eternal, physical life. That's the mystery that Paul is describing for us. That yes, death is painful and it is real. Here's the thing. Paul's not naive, right? He's not just trying to pretend, oh, no, 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 everything's going to be fine. Death's not really part of life. Paul knew about death. If you lived in the ancient world, you usually witnessed it up front. I mean, personal. You walked into cities and you saw people hanging on crosses. As a sign, you don't cross Rome. If you went to most any ancient Greco-Roman city, a large enough one, they would have some kind of stadium there where they would have all kinds of games. Some of those games involved running and throwing, and some of those games involved killing people for sport. That's what the gladiatorial games were all about. Let's bring somebody in, maybe a prisoner of war, maybe a slave, and let's just see how brutally we can kill them. Paul knew about death. In Jerusalem that day when the religious leaders decided they had had enough of this preacher Stephen, Paul stood by and watched their coats when they took them off so they could pick up the rocks and throw them better. Paul knew about death. He had seen it up close and personal. And what he's saying is that the risen Christ shows us that God did not create us for death. Now we may face it. We may face it personally before Jesus returns. But what Paul is saying here is that that's not 
the end. That we see past death to life. That God is going to raise these bodies back up. And that he's going to invite us to spend eternity praising him in the new heaven and the new earth. So what we do now matters. God's going to take the things that we're working on now and weave them together into something that is far, far better. Through his power. Mortal taking on immortality. So once again, we're reminded that we are a people of hope who speak into a world that says, you know what, you just might as well accept it. Death is coming. Deal with it. Paul says, yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming. And God's going to defeat it. And we're going to spend eternity praising God in a new heaven and a new earth. We're not made for death. We're made for life. Let's pray together. God, if we're honest, sometimes death scares us. If we've lost people, we know what it's like. And we're afraid we're going to lose somebody else. And it's just uncertain enough that we're a little worried about our own deaths. God, give us the comfort that comes from knowing that you have revealed this mystery to us. That death is going to be swallowed up in victory. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have received that gift that's been offered right here, 1 Corinthians 15 lays out the whole story. And if you're ready to receive that in repentance and confessing Christ as Lord and being baptized into him, We'd love to talk with you about that. Let us know as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.